0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of Romans, chapter 3, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul writes in the last verse of the reading from Romans, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. In the church, what this verse teaches It's the very heart of why Jesus lived and died and rose. And this precious gospel truth was hiding in error and nonsense for nearly a thousand years. And then 502 years ago, on October 31st, the eve of All Hallows, or Halloween, the eve of All Saints Day, Martin Luther, a 34-year-old Augustinian monk, preacher, university lecturer and professor of Old Testament, took an eight-minute walk from his monastery home on one end of the little town of Wittenberg to the castle church on the other end of town. And there he posted his 95 theses, his protest against indulgences. He had absolutely no idea of the firestorm he would start, nor that within weeks he would become the most famous person in the Western world. And then four years after that initial Reformation Day, Martin Luther stood before the most powerful ruler of that day, Emperor Charles V, and various other officials of church and state in the city of Worms to answer for his teachings. The richest, most powerful, and most influential leaders of Luther's world were all there waiting to hear his answer. Do you recant or not? Do you renounce, take back everything that you wrote? And they had a whole bunch of his books on the table in front of him. He said that all he had been doing up to that point was to honor God with his writing and teaching the truths of God's word to the people. The books before him contained various types of writings, some devotional in nature, some simply laying forth morals that everyone would agree with. But some of his writings contained assertions about common public error that violated the very gospel itself. And therefore, he could not recant of those things, for to do so would permit tyranny and godlessness in the church. Luther rose to a crescendo in his remarks and asserted that only the clear testimony of scripture should determine matters of such gravity in the church. Nothing else would do. But if anyone would demonstrate to him where he had erred in his interpretation of Scripture, he would himself burn any of his books with any such errors in them. But still, Luther had not answered the crucial question. Do you or do you not recant? The Roman Catholic Church and imperial officials were getting quite fed up by now. Finally, Luther was ordered that he must now simply give a straight answer, one that was simple honest, and unmistakable. Would Luther recant his writings and the errors in them or not? And then he said this, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures, and by clear reason, for I do not trust in the Pope or councils alone, since it it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot And will not retract anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. But then come the words that are even more famous Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Clearly, he refused to recant of what he had been teaching that we are saved by God, by grace alone, through faith alone on account of Christ alone, something that the Roman church had thoroughly obscured and contradicted. Luther's Reformation brought about many things of which we can be quite proud. Universal education, education of young women, real care for the needy, huge advances in university education, art, music, even astronomy and medicine, and much more. But we are here today in this place, to look at the heart of it all. With Paul, we say, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. In fact, Martin Luther quoted this very text in the first sermon he preached following his initial breakthrough in understanding the gospel. That breakthrough was a long time in coming and it didn't happen all at once. Behind the church door where Luther posted his 95 theses, There was a sanctuary with 17 side altars. Priests were at those altars day and night, 24-7, saying masses. That is, communing themselves to achieve merit for the living and the dead. Money left to the church had established such practices in permanence for deceased nobility and others. Such masses, it was believed, reduced a person's time in purgatory. You see, it was taught that Christ's death paid only for eternal punishments, but not temporal punishments. Temporal punishments had to be, and this is still official Catholic Church doctrine, paid off by suffering through hundreds of thousands of years in purgatory. And indulgences helped buy your way out of some of that time. Now, this particular sanctuary was also special in that it housed a collection of relics of the saints, Luther's prince had collected hundreds and hundreds of bits and pieces of this or that saint or other holy things. The most important relic around which Frederick the Wise had built the whole collection was a thorn, allegedly from the crown of Jesus. But there was also a feather from the wing of the angel Gabriel, fingernails from John the Baptist, and milk from the breast of the Virgin Mary. You name it, it was there. Luther later joked that if you added up all the pieces of so-called relics housed in such collections, there was enough for at least 18 of Jesus' apostles, buried in Germany alone. And there were only 12 apostles, you might remember. In other words, it was all fake. And even if it wasn't, where in the Bible was any of this commanded or even commended? None of that was what God intended at all as Paul clearly understood. He said, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. No good works of ours, real or invented, can satisfy the demands of the law. Luther had not yet come clear on the gospel or precisely on the meaning of the text for today, but he'd been brought by God to a dramatic point. Winning less time in purgatory by worshiping bones and bits or buying pieces of paper was not the gospel. The final breakthrough for Luther came in the months after he had posted the 95 Theses. It happened as Luther was mulling over Romans 1 verse 17, which says, For in it, that is the gospel from the previous verse, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What he realized in these verses is that what matters is not our works, the things that we do, rather, what God does for us and in us. It's about his righteousness and his righteous acts. The law accuses us of our sin. The law tells us that we cannot make ourselves righteous, right with God. And the only thing we deserve is punishment. The only thing we deserve is God's righteous judgment, which condemns sinners, like you and me, to death. Condemns us to hell. That is why we need the gospel, which reveals God's righteousness, his righteous acts, through the work of Christ through Jesus' death and resurrection for the sins of all people. Those righteous acts, by faith, justify us and make us right with God. Not anything we do, but all that Christ has done for us. This righteousness, God's righteousness, is given to us in baptism, given to us in the absolution, given to us in the Lord's Supper, given to us in the Word of God. Here we find the forgiveness of our sins. Here faith comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Here our faith is strengthened. And here salvation is given to all who believe. And it is on this gospel that Luther stood and made his stand on for the rest of his life. His conclusion was this. Therefore a man can, with confidence, boast in Christ and say... Mine are Christ's living, doing, and speaking, his suffering and dying. Mine as much as if I had lived, done, spoken, suffered, and died as he did. Therefore, everything which Christ has is ours, graciously bestowed on us unworthy men out of God's sheer mercy, although we have rather deserved wrath and condemnation and hell also. Through faith in Christ, therefore, Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness, and all that he has becomes ours. Rather, he himself becomes ours. Today I stand before you, and all I can tell you is that this is God's word for you. It's as important for you as it was for Martin Luther 500 years ago. So, what's our response? We can try and justify ourselves by our own works, try and set ourselves free from sin. We can trust in our own words rather than the word of God. We can deny that we are sinners in need of Christ's saving work. We can put our trust in other people, in the world, in our sinful flesh. But that will not get us very far. Or on this day, this Reformation Sunday, we can stand before God and say, I am a sinner in need of your grace, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness, your life. You can stand before the altar and say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need your body and blood to wash away my sins, to forgive me, cleanse me, and set me free. You can stand before the baptismal font and remember the water you were baptized in whose name you were baptized in, whose name you were marked with, whose family you were welcomed into, and whose death and resurrection set you free. By God's grace, through faith, you have been set free and will continue to be free in Christ. Here's that truth summed up. And listen to this, Augsburg Confession, Article 4 on Justification. It is also taught among us that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God by our own merits, works, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God by grace, for Christ's sake, through faith. That, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is what the Reformation was about at its heart. It's a message that applies to you as intensely today as it did to Luther 500 years ago. And it's a message needed by our world. Those right within our own families, our neighborhoods, and our workplaces. As much today as ever. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding are your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.